You're listening to the More and Better Disciples podcast, a resource to equip the church to make more and better disciples for Jesus Christ. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the More and Better Disciples podcast. I'm your host, Keith Caps, here with Phil Kramer, lead pastor of Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. How's it going, Phil? Keith, it's that time of the year again, brother. It's the most wonderful time of the year. In many ways, that's true. And I'm not just talking about the resurrection celebration. That's right. That's right. You are uh, on cloud nine because you're coming off of a turkey hunt, right? Turkey high. Turkey high. That's right. And we're not talking about turkey coma, which is after Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's Thanksgiving, brother. No, this has been a great time. Uh, Took a couple of my boys to Georgia. Got a place uh, we have some access to over there, and we hunted last week. And so it's kind of cast and blast, uh, turkey hunting in the morning, bass fishing in the evening, and then uh, went out this morning as well, Arkansas opening day uh, today. So it's been a great turkey season. Most of all, getting to see God's creation wake up in the morning, and it's a great reminder of the verse, Proverbs 4.18, the path of the righteous is like the dawning of the new day that shines brighter and brighter till the full light of day. So you just see the sun gradually bring more and more light to the forest floor, and it's a great great reminder of how God uh, really reveals His will to us. So it's, it's just a great experience overall. That's awesome. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you do a turkey call for us? Nah, I, I'm, I'm all turkeyed out, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> you used all your best turkey calls. Now, does that mean that if I do a turkey call, does that mean that Gobbler Gary is going to show up? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know on the podcast what will happen. So I, I think... All right, so I've already told Pastor Josh that he owes us uh, a call of the hogs, and you owe us a turkey call at some point. So Maybe. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so that's awesome. Sounds like a great week, a great uh, weekend for sure, as we uh, continued in our new series, Reaching the Next Generation. Uh, Pastor Rob and Tula, uh, his wife, did a great job. Um, of course, if our listeners haven't had a chance to watch that or listen to that, Definitely encourage them to do that. Um, So talking about reaching the next generation, so excited about this series as we come off of a great Easter weekend. But you know what, Phil, at Crossgate, we talk a lot about the next generation. So, um, you know, some people might be wondering, one, what do we mean by the next generation? But then also, why do we emphasize it so much? Well, first of all, to define next gen kind of depends on who you're talking to. You know, it's kind of like, well... Talking about the definition of the word old, what does that really mean? Different people have a different definition. Well, what we typically say is that the next generation is from the, the cradle to college, typically. Uh, some people think more children. Some people think uh, students. Some people think college. Really, I guess any, anybody 30 and under, I guess, and broadly, we would say is part of the next generation. Uh, but it is incredibly important to emphasize this. And of course, we've often said we are a multi-generational church that leans into the next generation. We've got to be. Uh, we think about the promise that we talked about on Easter Sunday from Acts chapter 2. Uh, this promise is for you and for your children. It's a multi-generational promise. And so the reason why we emphasize it, it's really two-dimensional in a sense. First of all, it's biblical. But second of all, it makes sense right? First of all, it's very biblical. We shared a couple of key verses uh, on uh, Easter Sunday morning about that multi-generational aspect, Genesis 17, 7, uh, where God says, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. Deuteronomy 7, 9, know therefore that the Lord your God is God uh, faithful, 
God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Now that kind of sets the, the tone for a next-gen kind of multi-generational emphasis. But when you think about how that's unpacked in the Scripture, beyond just that generic emphasis, just for example, think about Psalm 145 that says this, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. And then verse 4 says this, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. So now you're actually seeing this active uh, transference of the knowledge of God from one generation to the next. And then in a very practical way, Deuteronomy chapter 6, after you hear the great uh, Shema, you know, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. At the end of that chapter, it says this, when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And then at the very end, in verses 24 and 25, it says this, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. So now there's this conditional aspect. I mean, there's this teaching uh, we're, we're admonishing and encouraging and exhorting our children and, and whatever children are in our spheres of influence uh, to follow the Lord. And yes, there is a conditional aspect. If, you, if you're faithful to God, kids, God is going to take care of you ultimately. But if you're not faithful, God will chastise you and he'll just leave you to your own devices. You know, that type of thing. So there's, there's multiple dimensions uh, to this emphasis, this biblical emphasis. I mean, even just think of something as simple as Psalm 128 verse 6 where it says, may you see your children's children. There is a priority on the next generation in the Bible, whereas our culture today places priorities on getting bigger houses or nicer cars or fancier vacations or whatever else. Uh, at the end of the day, 3 John 4 is the pinnacle of, of next-gen priority, and that says, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in the truth. So first of all, an emphasis on the next generation is very biblical, but it also makes sense. I mean, you probably already know this, but we're not the only people talking about the next generation, right? I mean, everybody who, who's really got two cents in their heads are, are talking about the next generation and not just good Christian people, all right? I'm talking about all kinds of different sources, and I'm going to hit some of this on Sunday, but I saw this just this week. Uh, the um, Republican Party is, is a little concerned, at least to, to some, Kellyanne Conway, for example, her concern is that the uh, Republican Party, and again, I'm not, I'm not pushing one party over the other. I'm a Christocrat. Jesus is king. All right, but the bottom line is uh, the Republican Party is saying, look, so many of these online influencers today are Democrats, and they are just by nature of their platforms and, and, and the, the type of messaging they have, they are diving deep into the next generation, Generation Z. And one of the concerns among the Republicans is we don't have the same type of leverage, at least on those platforms, among influencers. We don't have the same kind of influencers uh, that, that that some of these other folks have. So politically, I mean, they they're talking about the next generation. How do we how do we galvanize the the up and coming voters? And then here's another article I just saw this week, uh, going back to uh, Bud Light Gate, 
right? So uh, Dylan Mulvaney, the, the transgender individual who was featured on a, on a can of Bud Light and, and brought in for this marketing strategy. So as you find a lo- out a little more of the backstory, uh, so the, the, the lady's name, she's the vice president of marketing at Bud Light, Alyssa Heinersheed. And she basically said that one of the reasons why they brought the transgender emphasis in is because they feel like this this uh, this inclusive messaging will resonate very well with younger folks. And guess what? Younger people need to start drinking beer, at least according to the Bud Light vice president. Because check it out. Middle-aged beer drinkers turn into senior citizen beer drinkers. And senior citizen beer drinkers, well, they just quit drinking beer because they die. And so you have to you have to bring in the, the next generation just from a marketing standpoint. How I mean, because if you don't, you're gonna I mean your your business is going to go belly up eventually, right? And so everybody's talking about the next generation, uh, but I think we have a much more important mandate from the scripture to truly make more and better disciples of the next generation. One because it's biblical, two because it makes sense. I, which churches? And by the way. The number of Southern Baptist churches, just talking about Southern Baptist Convention now, the number of Southern Baptist churches every year that are closing their doors is in the thousands. Thousands of Southern Baptist congregations will close their doors every year in the next several years, and that number is only going to accelerate. Why? Well, in many cases, it's because these churches have failed to lean into the next generation. And it's sad because if you don't lean into the next generation, your church is just sitting around waiting to close its doors. Yeah, that's such a great point. Uh, obviously, we always want to ask the question, what does the Bible say? That's our first and foremost um, concern and the first question we ask. But then, like you said, from a sustainability standpoint, it just makes sense that, that we would reach the next generation or, or uh, we're, we're not going to be around very long, right? So um, great points. Thank you so much for that. You know, but that does beg the question, okay? We emphasize reaching the next generation. We, we understand that that's important, but whose responsibility is it really to reach the next generation? And, and some might say, listen, you know, here at Crossgate, we have a full-time next generation pastor. We have a children's director. We have a preschool director. We have a whole team um, just focused on the next generation. So it's their job, right? And what about people who don't have kids or grandkids? Are they exempt? Do they just say, well, this isn't really a message for me? Well, that's a great question because we certainly do have a number of people at our church who have children right here in our church. We are we are a young, certainly our church is uh, on average much younger than the than the average congregation out in the uh, you know in in culture today. Uh, so first of all, I think it's important to note. Yes, we we I think we can all agree that no parent or grandparent has has the right to farm out or to sub out their their responsibilities to make disciples of their children and grandchildren to the quote unquote professionals. Well, I'll just drop my kids off at church and let Pastor Josh and Miss Danielle and Miss Jessica uh, take take it from here. Obviously, I think any any thinking person, unless they're just woefully ignorant of the Bible or intellectually dishonest, every thinking person realizes I have a responsibility. Now, that in many people's minds does apply to the, the children immediately in your house, right? Or in your immediate sphere of influence. Okay, so for, for anybody who's a member of the body of Christ, uh, there is a responsibility and an opportunity uh, to invest in the next generation and to make more and better disciples I mean, you think about the number of children we have in our church, okay? And, and yes, it is definitely a blessing to be a younger church. 
and you only have to step foot on an older church's campus, who a dying church, and walk into the, the area where they would have had a nursery or they would have had a preschool and hear no children. I mean, that, that, is, that is the sound of a dying church. And I guess if there's one good thing about it, no one has to volunteer in the nursery, right? I mean, if, if, you, if you don't want to serve in the nursery or preschool, there's plenty of dying churches out there that would love to have you. But the fact is that, that we have the next generation right in our church, and we have a lot of the next generation on our church. And so it's everybody's responsibility to say, how can I be of service to the next generation? Now, that's very different than if someone goes to Pastor Josh or to Miss Danielle or Miss Jessica and says, hey, here's how I would like to serve, versus going to them and saying, hey, how, how can I be of service to you? you? You tell me, give me something appropriate for, for who I am in my age in life and, and, and season in life. I would love to read a story to children. I would love to do, I would love to help check people in. Anything uh, to put a hand on the plow, in a sense, uh, in the next generation. Uh, so that's that's really important, and and I'm going to hit on that more in the in the series o- over the next several weeks. Just how we can all, regardless of of you know biological children, adoptive children, whatever, under our roofs or in our immediate vicinity, uh, we all have an opportunity uh, to invest in the next generation. Yeah, and I love that you refer to it as an opportunity, um, and not just a responsibility. While it is, it is definitely an opportunity, and I will say personally that. You know, uh, the times that I get to go and and volunteer in a classroom, in preschool, or in the children's ministry, you know, the, the workers there are so gracious and saying thank you and, and what a blessing it is to them. But really, the blessing is mine. Um, there's just such a blessing in, in getting to see uh, these children, you know, as as Jesus comes alive in their hearts and um, their their excitement and uh, their eagerness to learn the word. So much great ministry happening, and, and it really is a great opportunity to be a part of that. Um, well, Phil, you know, so thinking about this, you know, for someone who's listening and says, "All right, I know that you know I I ha- maybe haven't done." enough to reach the next generation. If we're being honest, you know, sometimes our tendency as humans is just to gravitate towards people in our own life uh, stage or in our own circles. And um, we don't necessarily think about going and and hanging out with somebody, um, you know, younger than us. So how can we be intentional about reaching the next generation, even if it's not something that's natural or comfortable for us? Well, first of all, Keith, I appreciate you asking that question because this is really where the rubber meets the road, right? And first of all, I think I think we should all admit that most of us are probably not by default super comfortable in stepping into a preschool type situation or even a children's ministry situation. Some people love it. Some people live in that world. Most of us don't. And even if we have children in our own, in our own homes, we don't necessarily, that's not our first thing we think about is, oh, of course I'm going to serve in, in one of these capacities, right? But that's where the Holy Spirit is so important, right? I mean, because yeah, if, if, you're, if you're depending on your own strength, to minister, you're going to be pretty limited in where you can apply uh, your your best efforts at, uh, at a church campus. You're going to say, "Well, this is what I would like to do," or "This is this is where I'm comfortable serving." Well, if, if that's your criteria, I mean, you're probably going to be only of limited value to the body of Christ in any local church. But if you're truly saying, "Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit, give me the strength to serve." Help me to see where the need is, and let me talk to my pastors and elders, and let me let me just throw myself into this. 
uh, as a spirit-filled servant of the Lord rather than, well, I'm just here because it's, it's my preference, okay? Now, let's just talk specifically along the lines of our paradigm at Crossgate Church and our purpose statement, we make more and better disciples for Jesus. How can we make more disciples by investing in the next generation? I would argue that the greatest and largest number of lost people on our campus on any given Sunday is in our preschool and children's department right? You think about that. I mean, I would guess pretty much every single child in our preschool uh, ministry is not saved, uh, you know, because we're talking very, very young children, right? And we can certainly, we can talk about the age of accountability all day long, but the fact is we should be endeavoring to lead every single one of these children to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, same thing with our children's ministry. Certainly several of those children, a number of them have made decisions for Jesus, but others have not. Right, so I mean, if you're looking for cl- close proximity of 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 people on our campus who do not know Jesus Christ personally, there you go, right there. Now that doesn't mean that every Sunday all you have to do is sit down and explain the gospel to a child, and all the children will trust Christ because it's a process, especially with children. But to be a part of that, wow, unbelievable, tremendous opportunity, right? So there, there's a there's an awesome opportunity among the next generation to make more disciples, and even among our students. Right? I mean, what, what is the statistic right now? I'm sure you don't have it off the top of your head because neither do I, but the, the number of, of people who have been saved prior to the age of 17 or 17 and under. I got saved when I was 17, right around 16, 17th birthday. Uh, you know, and, and, and the vast majority of people who are saved today came to a saving faith in Jesus when they were 17 or younger. So you talk about a harvest field. Look up. The harvest is, I mean, the fields are ripe and white for harvest. Okay, so that's making more disciples, even making better disciples, investing. I mean, that's the, 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 the influential years, the impressionable years. I think, again, I think about these guys that I meet with on Wednesday mornings. I've got five high school juniors and seniors. I meet with them every Wednesday morning from 6.30 to 8 at Chick-fil-A, and we're doing, we're doing D-group stuff, hear journals. I'm, I'm, I'm just helping them to establish the basic rhythms of the Christian life. How do you get that going, guys? And, and, and answering questions that they have and, 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 and training them up in how to have a quiet time or how to share their faith and things along those lines. I mean, I am praying that God would use those meetings and those times that we have with those guys to leave an indelible impression. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a friend of mine back in my hometown in Florida uh, when we were down there for spring break, and he was talking about, well, how, how can I have a greater impact in my church? And they don't do D groups at that particular church. I said, well, here's what you need to do, man. You just need to start a D group. He said, well, among who? I mean, who, who should I start a D group with? I said, well, you, you help lead a life group, right? So first, just kind of find four or five guys in your life group and say, hey, guys, you want to you meet once a week for scripture memory, journaling, Bible reading, and accountability and prayer, right? Or he's got a son who's about 14 or 15 years old. I said, you get your son and get about three or four other of his friends, invite them to come, and you start discipling them. And then I stopped myself and I said, no, I've already made the decision for you. Meet with those boys, right? Those other guys in your life group, okay, if possible, but you need to be meeting with those guys because that is such an impressionable time. And I, I, I tell you, Keith, just the basics of a D group, hear journals, those types of things, I wish... Someone had 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 explained that to me 25, 30 years ago. It would have it would have changed my life, changed my ministry in many ways. I could go on and on, but there's so many different ways. And 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 really, God is not looking for people who are uh, you know 
capable necessarily. He's looking for people who are available, right? So I would just encourage our folks, go to Pastor Josh, go to Miss Danielle, go to Jessica, come to me, come to you, whomever, and say, you know what? I truly want to help to make more and better disciples in the next generation. I'm not sure how. Please help me to do that, Pastor. Yeah, that's great. Uh, great advice, and and thank you so much for sharing that. You know, we talk a lot when it when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to making disciples. We talk a lot about taking opportunities as they come, uh, just in our everyday. But it sounds like you're talking about being very intentional in making opportunities, uh, getting out there and looking for specific ways that we can invest in the next generation. Um, and and that is uh, that is such. Uh, such a great need and such a great opportunity. And you've already talked a lot about those specific opportunities here at Crossgate. And and just to mention again, if someone is interested and said, okay, Pastor Phil, you've convinced me, I'm ready um, to do what I can for the next generation, what would you say is their immediate next step? What do they need to do? Well, again, they could they could go directly to Pastor Josh. They could go directly to Miss Jessica. Uh, Miss Danielle, of course, so we're talking about our next-gen pastor as well as our directors for preschool and uh, children's ministry. They could come to you. They could come to me and just simply say, you know, I, I want to do a better job of helping to make more and better disciples of the next generation. How can I do that with my own children or my grandchildren or whatever children in my immediate sphere of influence? Or how can I do that at Crossgate Church on our campus throughout the week? Uh, there are opportunities. And, and listen, I mean, it, again, we're not just talking about plugging people into to jobs per se, right? Well, we just need bodies in preschool. We need bodies in children's. What I mean, we're talking about tremendous ministry opportunities. And I Wednesday mornings, I'll tell you, man, Wednesday mornings at Chick Fil A has become probably just about my most favorite ninety minutes of the whole week. Yeah, you can't beat uh, Christian Nuggets and the Next Generation. Oh, absolutely. Well, Chicken Minis at 6.30 <laughs> right. in the morning is Chicken Minis. That's right. Chicken Minis and Mini Christians. That's right. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> they go together. Uh, well, hey, thank you so much for your time today, uh, Pastor Phil. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to the rest of the series as we tackle some you know, difficult um difficult things to navigate with the next generation uh, coming up. And we talk about some resources, um, lots of great things coming up. Well, you know, one of the things we're going to mention in this series, and I'll just be honest, I mean, yes, it's easy to get excited about investing in the next generation, but ministry like this can be a little messy, right? I mean, it can be a little messy because we're dealing with people's lives. We're dealing with people who are, uh, you know, students especially, and even children who are dealing with a lot of dark things in the world. Uh, and, and raising godly children and, and making disciples can be a little messy, uh, but it's necessary. As a matter of fact, we coined a word just the other day driving down the road with my family. I said, biblical parenting can be necessary, right? Because it's messy, but it's necessary. So we're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. Well, hey, thanks again for your time today and looking forward to next week. Thanks, Keith. Take care. Take care. Thank you for listening to the More and Better Disciples podcast, a ministry of Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. To learn more, join us on our website, crossgate.org.